Good morning. morning. Welcome to Parkwood this morning. Hope you got your Bibles with you and you're ready to go this morning. Galatians 5 verse 16. You got one of these sermon notes. They're back there on that table. You're going to need that this morning to be able to keep up. And uh, we're working through Paul's letter and told the first service we um, we meet every week with the with Pastor Jeff and the guys that write curriculum and the worship leaders. We all meet every week, talk about the sermon, talk about the sermons that we're working on and the, the uh, what our outlines look like. And as we reach the end of this letter, there's always, uh, no matter how, how long you preach, there's always just a little bit of sadness because this has been such an impact on us and I pray it has been on you. So let's, let's stand all in honor of God's Word. As we turn to Galatians 5 and we begin in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let, not, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So God, we bow before you, the King of glory. And Lord, we are grateful that we have been led to the gospel through the gospel, been reminded of the gospel as we were singing to you this morning. And so, Lord, we were worshiping you and we were reminding ourselves of the freedom that we have because of the work of your Son. We are reminding ourselves that our standing before you is not based off of what we have done, but because of what your Son has accomplished Thank you for the faith to believe in your Son. Thank you for the gift of repentance that have brought us to our knees so that we could receive something that we could never earn. Right standing before you and the ability right now to come to you in prayer, to stand and reverend all of you and hear your word. And so, Lord, help us today for this struggle that's in this text is a real struggle that exists in every single one here. So help me to speak by the Spirit and not by my flesh. We all need your help, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm not going to spend the time to review where we've come from. You know, this is one letter. This letter would have been read in its entirety at one setting, and we have broke it up in quite a few sections. But as I just got through praying, Paul has labored hard to make sure we understand this 
vertical reality of our standing before God does not come through works of the law, doesn't come from what we do. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. He calls this Christian freedom. The freedom from sin and the freedom to live for Christ. But we designed this, we talked about last week, this freedom is, is, can, is dangerous to some degree. This, there's, there's danger around us as we live the Christian faith. Remember Paul's, we use this picture to describe what Paul's talking about. The Christian faith is this narrow bridge that goes over two polluted streams. The streams of legalism and the stream of license. I probably ought to say at least two streams. There's, there's more. Those are the ones that the church in Galatia was experiencing. And all this is true. And we see today that the only reason that you understood God's word and were challenged by it, even if I was reading, is because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that enables us not only to walk over this bridge, but it enables us even to want to. And here's what I'm struggling with. And and I wonder if anybody else feels this way. Do you ever feel like a defective Christian? Like there's something wrong. I mean, I read 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this from God. And it's like, whoop. And then I'm sitting there going, Sundays it just don't seem to be working. It's, it's hard to live for Christ. If it's new, why do I still do this? And why do I still want that? I mean, is it just me? Is there seem to be something that's not finished? I love Christ. And I desire to make much of Him. But I still find myself really enjoying when you make much of me. What am I supposed to do with it? It's like that hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, Prone to Wonder, Lord, I Feel It, Prone to Leave the God I Love. That's us, isn't it? This is the struggle. How do I navigate this struggle? Is this good that this is happening to me? Or, is I, or, or somehow am I defective? This is what this passage is about this morning. How, how do I live by the Spirit? Verse 16. We see two parts of this. We must walk. And we must walk by the Spirit. Verse 16. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Look at walk by. This is present active imperative. This is the command. It's supposed to be happening in our life, ongoing right now. The same word walk can mean live. This is very practical. Remember, we have Paul's labored hard with the standing before God. Now he's bleeding out in a very practical way. The last two weeks have been very practical. This mean this can mean behavior. How we walk, how we live is how we behave. This literally means this walking could be to walk around someone or to walk in the same direction. This, this is discipleship language. It doesn't matter whether you're a follower of Aristotle or whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ. A follower is about doing something. Three things you do when you walk around someone or walk with someone. You listen to what they say, you discern their will, and you follow their guidance. If you're not, you're not a follower. That's what it means to walk. No, this is possible. Like I said, we wouldn't even want to walk if it wasn't for who? The Holy Spirit. He's the, he's the main player in this section. He's here some seven times by name. He is the sanctifier, capital S. He's the only one that can enable us to oppose the flesh. 
and it must be opposed. And so we see that we must walk, we must live, we must behave by the Spirit. This is a yielding. This is not an autopilot Christianity. It's not. You just can't, new creation, autopilot, can't wait to get to heaven. No, it's not. We've got this thing called the flesh. Here's the promise. If you yield to the Spirit on a daily basis, you will not satisfy your fallen selfish nature. And here's the reality. There's no middle ground here. In other words, you can't pray and look at pornography at the same time. Why? Because they're opposed to each other. That's why you don't do it. Whatever that is, these two things can't exist at the same time. And listen, what I'm not talking about this morning, what the Scripture is not talking about, is amassing theological knowledge. Do we all not know some of the greatest theological minds, some of the greatest pastors and ministers have fallen in sin with their theological knowledge intact? This is something that we must do on a daily basis. This is a daily walking, a daily yielding, a daily dying, so that we will not fulfill, gratify our selfish desires. So, this brings something in our life. You need to understand, this 17 is, is meant to raise our intensity of what's going on. This is not describing something outside the world. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Notice repeated words there are against. This means in conflict with. The word opposed. You see the word opposed? That's military language. That's hostile. They're foes. They're enemies of each other. There's this conflict. It's in you. If you're in Christ, this is going on. There's, there's something against something else going on in here. And so the first thing we've got to understand, it's dangerous. You're setting yourself up for failure if you minimize your sin. If we take a casual nature towards sin... The enemy loves this, and so does our flesh. Paul says the Christian life is war. There is a conflict. And it began when you became a new creation. So first, we need to see the seriousness of this battle. We need to see that this battle is within us. And we need to understand the only way to victory is to walk by the Spirit. There is no other way. So what's the source of this? What are these two things that are that are opposed, that are against each other, and it's inside of me? Are you kidding? First, it's the flesh. Look at verse 17. We are by nature and inheritance fallen. It's in our very nature. It's in our, it's in our own flesh, in our minds, in our wills, in our emotions. When the Holy Spirit regenerates us, He gives us a new nature. And so now you've got to understand something. Now you, you, we still exist in this flesh. So we have two natures. And they're not going to get along. There's not going to be a peace treaty. They're opposed to each other. The Holy Spirit. You need to get this this morning. This is what's going on. This is why most of us struggle. What is this? Verse 17 says, the Holy Spirit is putting you to wage war on your flesh. That's what, it's, that's what He's doing. He's looking at you and saying, this is not like Christ. That's not like Christ. This does not bring God glory. 
These two natures are prone to different behaviors. Romans 7, clear for this. I hope I can read it better than I did the first service. It's one of the hardest, it's one of the most practical passages in Scripture. But just the way it reads is almost impossible to read, but it's probably good because this is the struggle that's within every child of God. And listen, we all love Romans 8.1, but it means nothing if we don't understand Romans 7. Romans 7, look at verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very things I hate. Verse 16. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, and that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but, I, but no ability to carry it out. Verse 19. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil that I do not want is what I keep doing. Now if I do not do what I want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. So I find there it to be a law that when I, do what, when I want to do what is right, evil lies close at hand. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of the God, listen, in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who delivers me from the body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God and with my mind, and, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Then he says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the war. Where is it? This is a marriage counseling booklet. If I ever marry, I'll probably get you to go through this one. There's a couple different ones. Listen to what it says. What if you abandon the idea that the problems... And weaknesses in your marriage are caused by a lack of information, dedication, or communication. What if you saw your problems as they truly are caused by a war within your own heart? This is the war within us. And listen, if you want to kill your marriage and you want to kill your ministry, blame shift. What is blame shifting? It is when I minimize my sin and maximize yours. That's blame shifting. And you are headed towards the works of the flesh. That is a work. But, this is not hopeless. Look at verse 18. But, we are led by the Spirit. He says, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 18. You are led. So look at verse 16 and verse 25. You see the word walk? In verse 25, the word live. And then in verse 18, we have the word led. See, both of these, all three of these words, are in the present continuous tense. This present ongoing. But there's a distinction between them. We need to understand this this morning. And there's not a one of us that doesn't struggle with where God's sovereignty and man's responsibility ends and which one am I supposed to lift up and which one am I supposed to proclaim. Brothers and sisters, when God's Word proclaims both of them, so do we. And this is what it's saying here this morning. That this being led by 
is passive. In other words, you don't do it. The Holy Spirit is doing it. But what are you doing? You're walking. You're living. In other words, one is passive. One is active. You do one. You don't do the other. It's being done to you. Listen to me. The Spirit does the leading and we do the walking. This is what the text is saying. We walk, but the Spirit leads. And if He's done, you can't walk. So what does it look like? What does it look like when I walk in my flesh? You see, it's not a mystery. This is not a mystical experience. This, is, this produces visibly good fruit or in the flesh visibly bad fruit. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. That means obvious. That means visible. That means if you're walking in the flesh, it's not a secret. You might think you're hiding it. <laughs> He's saying these things, are, these things are obvious. You see, I can't crack your head open. I can't, somebody can't crack mine or anybody else's and see the will. I don't have to. I merely have to observe a life. That's what he's saying. Our walk, our behavior is evident. And he lists them in four categories. The first one is in the realm of our sexuality. He says, the works of the flesh are obvious, are evident, are visible. Sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. This word sexual immorality is the word pornea. This is, listen, all sexual offenses... Against God's design, whether public or private, whether married or unmarried, whether natural or unnatural, these are all classified by God as the work of the flesh. Pastor Jeff used to use the illustration at the Gastonia campus that this is like your junk drawer at your house. We all have one. If we can't find something, we'll go to the junk drawer, pull it out, and rummage around. This is the Word. It, it has it all in there. And so... Brothers and sisters, we all stand against this sexual identity crisis that is on our country. LGBTQ and and he uh, Steve had them the other day. It was about that long. But understand this: if we look at pornography, if we lust after another woman in our mind, or we flirt with a married person on social media and say that's not as bad because it's least it's a natural sin. The Bible calls it pornea. It is sexual immorality. It is walking in the flesh. This should scare us when it creeps up. It's not only in the realm of sexuality. It's also alive and well in the realm of religion. Called idolatry and sorcery. Let's just deal with us today. Our weekly religious expression often masked idolatry. How do we know it? Because it's not producing spiritual fruit in our life. That's when it becomes idolatry, you see? This is why we strive to have simple church. Why? Because we can worship our worship. We can worship our entertainment. The fact that we came today and we wanted to be entertained is scary because the Bible says it's a work of the flesh. We come and gather to gather around His Word. We come and gather because this war He's describing is real. It's hard. And I need to be gathered together with my brothers and sisters and be encouraged and be equipped. Let me ask you something. If, if something happened to this building, it, it fell flat. 
this week. And I sent out an email and said, lost our building. Jason's agreed to open up his pasture. He's going to move the cows out. We're going to meet at Jason's house. How many of us would come? This is the sign. Or is our religion walking in the spirit? Or is it walking in our own flesh? And there's nowhere else that we see it other than the realm of relationships. It's evident in our relationship. He lives eight things in the realm of relationship. Look at them. Enmity, that's hatred. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, selfish ambition, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. The root of conflict. In our relationship, hatred, you see, those we refuse to forgive, we make a choice not to love. You cannot love who you do not forgive. Strife, this is a bad temper. Look at these. I don't know this, a lot of ladies struggle with this, but us guys especially. Strife, jealousy, outburst of anger. How many times have one of us said this and said, just the way I am, just that Irish in me or... You know, my daddy had a bad temper. Oh. The Bible says this is a work of the flesh. It may be the way you are, but it is sin. Selfish ambition. This is political sense. In the sense that I'm wanting maybe even the right thing for the wrong motives. Dissension, factions, and envy. This is the disunity factor in our lives and in our churches. People who want to get together and cause division. What about this and what about that? And factions, that's connected with false teaching. Causes division through what? The false teaching that it, that it teaches. This is in the realm of relationships. And also in the realm of indulgence. Look at this. He doesn't pull any punches here. It says drunkenness and orgies and things like these. Aren't you glad he didn't describe the things like these? Not going to describe these things. If you don't know what an orgy is, ask somebody. Don't look it up online. <laughs> this is uncontrolled passions in life. And listen to me, parents. Look up here. As a parent, you need to refuse. You need to stop funding the works of the flesh in your kids' lives. It doesn't matter how old they are. I've told my older children, and they know I mean it. You can go to college and get your degree, but if you start practicing the works of the flesh there, I will stop funding it. You better be on the back of a trash truck following Jesus than with a degree going straight to hell. This is what it says. I'm not making this up. Look at verse 21. There is a sobering warning. I warn you. As I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is serious. This is eternal. God's kingdom is a kingdom of holiness, righteousness, and self-control. And those who indulge in the opposite are excluded from the kingdom. This is what the text says. This is serious. You see that war within you? It's good. That war is the Holy Spirit saying, this is the work of the flesh and I'm going to wage war on it. So we see the works of the flesh are obvious and so is the work of the Spirit. It's obvious. It's visible. That means Jason can see it in my life or not. 
We call these Christian graces, listen to them. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against us things, there's no law. Aren't these obvious? Aren't they easy to see in other people's life? We call Christian graces because they display God's character three ways. Godward, towards God, outward towards others, and inward towards ourselves. Notice something. Look at verse 22. He calls it fruit, not fruits. Because this is a collective of Christ's likeness. This is what the Holy Spirit is about. He is about warring against your flesh to see this produce, this fruit in your life. Some people call them, divide them up into three triads. Love, joy, and peace being more Godward. Patience, kindness, and goodness being more manward. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control being more internal qualities that we see in ourselves, the Holy Spirit producing this. Love is the first. It's the first bookend. Why? This is the context of how to live in Christian freedom. Remember Paul says in Corinthians, if you don't have love, it doesn't matter what else you do. It doesn't matter what else you say. If it's not sitting on this, is it not sitting on the sacrificial love that we learn and see from Christ, then you have nothing. And so this is first Turn with me to 1 John 4, 7. 1 John 4, 7. We see this Godward and outward of love. Beloved, 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, we love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who who does not love does not know God, because God is love. How do I know I love you and you love me? These things are a visible evidence of God in us. It is the visible evidence, or it is not, of the God that is within me and the God that I reflect. But not only that, we see that we also have this Godward attitude of joy. This is a character attitude of joy and. 2 Corinthians 6.10, if you want to turn there, and Acts 13.52, but turn to at least one of those, and you'll see that either one of these is set in the context of suffering. You see, what we have if it's this Godward gift of God is something that our present life can't take away. And it does not mean that we are not sorrowful. Look at 2 Corinthians 6.10. It says, as sorrowful... Yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. So yes, we get sorrowful as Christians. Of course we do. We weep. We get hurt, and it really hurts when we get hurt. But yet there is a Godward trajectory of our joy that man cannot take away in the everyday humdrum things of life. Does not rob us of. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And we see peace. Turn with me to Ephesians 4, verse 1. I want you to see the unity involved. This is is directed towards the church. Ephesians 4, verse 1. You see, peace with God makes us peacemakers. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Listen, (laughs) he's saying the same thing we're reading here. Verse 2. 
Ephesians 4 verse 2 says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, eager, listen, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is our goal of the church. Not to breed trouble and division, but to bring unity because we have peace with God and we desire others to. So what are you meditating on? The love of God? What are you celebrating? Are you experiencing the joy of being a child of God? Do you have peace with God? Does that peace sometimes just overwhelm you? Because listen, here's what he's saying. If we meditate on these Godward realities, they're going to produce something in our life. They will bear fruit. And it's going to look like these other focused qualities in the second triad, patience, kindness, and goodness Patience. You know what patience is? Patience is just Steve putting up with me. Because I'm not easy to put up with. And I got news for you. You're not either. You're not easy to put up with. Just ask your spouse. We must have the Old Testament cause this long suffering. I love that word. We've got to suffer with each other. That's just not going through trials at the same time. That means that sometimes your personality puts me in suffering. You get on my nerves. I get on your nerves. How are we going to live in community together? We must be patient with each other. Why? Because we long for each other to know Christ. We want them to experience the love and joy and peace of Christ. We want them to be mature. And so we express not only patience, but also kindness. This is kindness rooted in the gospel. Romans 2.4, you can turn there if you want to, says basically this. God has been kind to you. How? He gave you repentance, and he didn't have to. That's how kind our Savior is. He gave you, he was kind enough to bring you to repentance. So if we know this, if we meditate on this, and if we understand this, we will be kind. You see, this is practical. We will be patient, we will be kind, and listen, look at goodness. You know what that, you know why you can define that? Generosity. This is a holistic generosity. Galatians 6.10. It says, so then, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. Do you remember, look up at verse 20, the works of the flesh in the realm of relationship, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy. Which describes best your relationships with other people? You see, this is objective, and it's obvious whether we are walking in the Spirit or in our flesh. We also see that what the Spirit produces is some inward qualities that drive our behavior in life. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Look at faithfulness. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. It's a good illustration. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. I love this passage because I've asked this question many times. Who am I supposed to disciple? You know, the Lord tells us to make disciples and make Christ followers. How do I pick? How do I know? I can't disciple everybody. How do I know who to disciple? Well, Paul told Timothy something. Look, look at this. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to who? Faithful men who will be able to lead others also. Who do I disciple? Someone who is reliable, someone who is dependable, someone who is trustworthy, someone who keeps his word. These are simply the internal qualities of what it looks like 
to walk by the Spirit, and you take their opposites and you find what it looks like to live your everyday life in the flesh, where people cannot depend on you, they cannot trust you, they don't know whether you're going to show up or not. This is flesh. This does not bring glory to God. This is practical, isn't it? This is a quality of faithfulness because God is faithful. And it's a quality of gentleness. Look down if you're in 2 Timothy to verse 25. How do I deal with wayward people? How do I deal with wandering people? Look at this. Listen, sometimes when, I, when we're here together and we're gathered, I'm preaching. I, I'm going to preach very direct to you. It's what the Word says. I'm going to preach it. But when we step outside of here and we begin to shepherd people, when we begin to deal with wandering people, listen to what it says. Correct his opponents with gentleness. Look, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. Why? Because he granted me repentance that led to the knowledge of the truth. I can't get over that fact in my life. You see, we can't get over the gospel. This is how what gives me the spirit of gentleness with someone who's pushing against what I'm trying to say. I don't throw my pearls before swine. That's another subject for another day. But when we are engaging wandering people, we must be gentle. In other words, it is not the spirit to be harsh and rude to someone with the gospel. It is taking the gospel and using it in your flesh. We are to be gentle. We are to be faithful. And above all, the other bookend is self-control. This is mastery over our passions. You see, take the two bookends. Love with no self-control is not biblical love. It is simply lust wearing a mask. This is the Holy Spirit. And listen, I want to be clear today. I know I... Said it's the first service. We've got a lot of introverts in the room, and every time I bring up the issue of sex, everybody gets a little squirrely. But listen, we live in a sexual world. And I want you to understand the truth today. No matter what age you are, the Holy Spirit is not saying, I don't want you to enjoy sex. He's saying, I do. So walk in the Spirit and enjoy your sexuality. I designed it. I created it. It is good. It is to be used for my glory. So do whatever you do. Do it for the glory of God. And I cannot do that when I operate in my flesh. This is what he's saying today. This is the very practical application of walking in the Spirit. And he says, against that? Against that? There's no law. Why? Because the law can't produce this. The law revealed our sin, but it can't do this. It can't produce these kinds of qualities in your life. Only the indwelling work of the Spirit can. The Spirit does the leading and we do the walking. Is this fruit evident in your life? Listen, this is what I want you to understand this morning. Are you actively experiencing this internal conflict between the flesh and the Spirit? And if it is today... Instead of complaining about it, instead of getting weary this morning over it, praise the Lord for it. Because if you do not have a conflict in you, you do not belong to Christ. This is a grateful thing. The Holy Spirit grows us up gradually and very painfully. You know what's the truth too here? I am reminded at this point of this conflict to understand the Holy Spirit doesn't grow me and you up at the same rate of speed. He doesn't grow me and Christina up at the same rate of speed. That means that we have to be patient with each other. I don't set the pace. God does. 
for discipleship? So am I destined to hopelessness then, to say there's this war between me and I'm going three steps forward and two steps back and some days I may go two steps forward and ten steps back? Am I, am I just destined to stay right here? How do I do this? Well, verse 24 gives us, I think, two very practical things this morning. How? Verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So very first thing, very practically, and we, we did this last week. Remember, stop. Stop. This is why we gather together, brothers and sisters. Don't neglect it. This is what Hebrews said. Don't neglect it. Why? Because we're in a war and we need to be reminded of this this morning. We belong to Christ. He purchased us. We are His. And we cannot be taken away. And I need to be reminded of it and so do you. Galatians 2.20 Look at verse 19. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. Is that what your heart is saying today? Oh God, I want to live to God. I don't want to live to myself. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And He gave Himself for me. This is what we remind ourselves in this fight. This is how we produce the fruit of the Spirit. I remember who loved me and who gave Himself for me. He made me a new creation. He has given me the power of deliverance over this present evil age. And that includes this sinful flesh is still a part of me. Many of us this morning need to stop this morning and be grateful. Give thanks for the conflict within you. This is your down payment. This is the Security, our assurance that the Holy Spirit has given you. It's your mind. Your mind in those areas in your life that does not glorify me, that does not look like my son, I will wage war on those so that you may with all of your heart and with all of your soul bring glory to me. That's good news this morning. It's good news. And it gives us strength for the fight. The source of our walking is not our own strength. It is the Spirit. It is God the Spirit within us. So, look at the t- verse 24. We must crucify the flesh. Turn with me to Romans 8.13. Romans 8.13. There's a contrast here. He's still using the crucifixion picture, but you've got you to need to see this. Romans 8.13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. A couple weeks ago, we started talking about false messages. And I've tried to put one in every sermon to remind you of how many false messages that are out here. Here's another one. Let go and let God. No, that's not true. Yes, the Holy Spirit is within us. And if He's not leading us, we will fall after the flesh because we're enslaved to it. But here He's saying something different. He's saying you need to crucify the flesh. You need to walk in the Spirit. What does that look like? It looks like I must identify and take my selfishness. I must identify and take my pride. I must identify and take my anxiety. I must identify and take my unforgiveness, my anger, my lust, 
and I nail it to the cross and I set a guard on it and I make sure it dies. I do not give it mercy. I do not take it down and bandage its wounds. My job is to kill it. This is what it means. We crucify anything that does not bring glory to our Savior. You know, last week, we held the cup. Do you remember? That's why this is Mesa Church Church. The ordinances. We do it so that we can remember. We remember Jesus with his disciples whom he is fixing to die for their sins. And he holds the cup. And he says, for this, Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for their forgiveness of sins. And listen, you need to hear me. I want to be truthful right now. It might be painful. But I have prayed to give me gentleness. To be able to sometimes lean in in tender and delicate places in your life and to say, this may be a problem. Because listen, according to God's word, there is no greater gift God has given us than the gift of forgiveness. It reaches into our past and removes it. It takes our present. It gives it meaning and purpose and it gives us the security that that in the future is being taken care of. And there is no greater work of the flesh than unforgiveness. And listen to me, I am not saying my words, I am reading God's words. Matthew 6, verse 14 says, For if you forgive other their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others' trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. All of us are great sinners. Amen. We can all say with Paul, I am the chief. No, I am the chief. We are all great sinners. And listen, many of us have been sinned against greatly. Amen? Amen. We have been. And so if you have come from a broken home, if you have a blended family with traumatized family members, if you have been abused, abandoned, and neglected, if you have been hurt by the very church that was charged with protecting you, I have to ask you a question. Are you living in a state of unforgiveness because of a sin that has been done to you? And I know that it's in here. For it's been in me that says, I just can't. You don't know what they've done to me, preacher. And you're right, I don't. But I know my Jesus. And I know what I've done to Him. He's forgiven me. Past, present, future. And He's done that for you today. There is nothing that has so stumped our spiritual growth isolated us from family, friends, and God's church. And there is nothing that has so robbed us of our love, our joy, and our peace as unforgiveness. And I implore you, by the Spirit that lives within you, forgive as you've been forgiven and love as you've been loved. This is what it means to walk in the Spirit. He will set you free, and those whom He sets free will be free indeed.
Trust in the gospel. Believe it today. Believe it for your everyday life and those who have hurt you. And God will grant us not only repentance, but the fruit of the Spirit to make much of Him. So God, help us, we pray. For I know it was true of me that there were years of pain, years of sin that I had done and others had done to me that was never brought to the cross. And I covered it up with years of marriage and children and it was there hurting my relationship with you and my relationship for those I loved and thank you for the gospel that sets us free. So Lord, today what you need to do, would you do? Only you can grant repentance. I can't do it. That you can. And so, Lord, bring your people to repentance so that they can be free and so that they can make much of you. Lord, grant us today now the privilege of standing to our feet and ascribing ultimate worth and value to the only God that can save Receive our worship today. We love you and we thank you. Man, stand to your feet. Let's worship our King.